God to reign in every aspect of our lives. And I want to just kind of uh, start this off today and, and look at uh, you know some different things here. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, verse 2, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And we, I know we, listen, I know that we've discussed this. We've covered this verse, you know, a lot. I talk a lot about this verse because I think it's so important when we understand the message and, and what Jesus was trying to accomplish here on this earth. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, that word kingdom, okay, that word kingdom, when we look at that, when you look at that, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. That word kingdom, it actually comes from a word or the, the Greek word, the, the English word, whatever. It's talking about the king's domain, okay? Kingdom stands for the king's domain. That means everything that is under the rule and authority uh, inside the kingdom. So Jesus is telling us to pray that God's domain, okay, God's domain, everything that he rules, everything that he has authority, okay, that in, in his domain, that his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. So, and so when we look at that, you know, um, you know, we, we understand this because he says this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is in heaven. We know that, that, that in heaven, it is all of God's kingdom. And everything happens the way that God wants it to happen in heaven. Everybody got that, right? I mean, it, it is going down the way that God wants it to go down up in heaven or up in heaven or wherever heaven is, okay? Um, uh, I don't know, we just, we have this mindset that heaven's here and hell's here, you know, <laughs> you don't go down, you want to go up. I, I don't really know. I think it's just a different dimension, okay? But we, we have this, what we have to understand is that everything in heaven, okay, is, is under the king's domain. Nothing happens in heaven outside of God's will. And so Jesus is telling us here, okay, that, that w- 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 what he's telling us to do is to pray that his domain and that his will be done here on earth the same way it's done in heaven. And, you know, so many times I think um, there, there are oftentimes this really heavy focus on our part as Christians on getting to heaven. You know, if I could just get there, right? If I could just, you know, somehow, if I could just hang on by the, you know, the thread of my skin, or I don't need the thread of my skin, that doesn't make sense, but uh, if I could just hang on somehow, just, and, and could just barely, barely do enough stuff, or be good enough, or, or, or have a good enough relationship, whatever, whatever it is that we think, okay, we have this idea that, man, if I could just do enough, I could just, uh, you know, I just want to get to heaven, and, and one day, at that sweet by and by, we're going to get up there to that place in the sky, and we're going to be with him, and, and we're going to celebrate, and, and oftentimes our greatest focus and our greatest goal is that somehow we can get to heaven, if I could just make it there. And, and again, there's a certain part of that that, is, that comes along with the Christian faith, because the Bible does tell us that he who endures to the end will receive the crown of life. So we know that there is an element of enduring and endurance that we have to deal with here on this earth pressing through some of the pain and difficulty and the persecution and, and some of the things that we have to deal with every day in life, it sure, sure does make it challenging. And, and that's the reason why the scripture tells us that we have to endure till the end and not give up. Not give up. But, you know, we can have this, 
this mentality that sometimes comes upon us that we think heaven, awesome. You know, wow. Earth, okay, that's what earth is. Earth is like, just it's just cruddy. It stinks, man. I, why, why do I have to be here? And what we have, heaven is awesome. Earth, and so what we do is we live with this defensive mindset concerning our walk with Christ, that we're defensive, right? That we're defensive. Um, you, ever, um, you ever heard the, uh, let's see here. You ever sing the song? In, in, in children's church, maybe it wasn't children's church, maybe it's Sunday school, maybe it's just, you know, around a campfire or something like that, okay, right? You know, and I'm going to try to do the best I can. I, the way I can hear it is, is like some kind of Jamaican-sounding voice, but, you know, shut the door, keep out the devil. Anybody ever heard that song? Light, light a candle, everything's all right. Let's see. There's no shame people in here, right? Shut the door, keep out the devil, okay, right? I remember singing that song. And I don't know, you, you think about you think about that song, it's like, everybody shut the door. The devil is out there and he's really bad and keep him out. And let's all go hide in a corner. The devil. It's the devil. You know? <laughs> right? It's this, you know, somehow let's all you know, quarantine ourselves. Let's all, you know, get in our little group over here in a corner because somewhere out there the devil's running around and he's really mean and we better shut him out. We better shut that door so he can't get in because he's really scary. You know, we got to somehow hide because if he gets us, it's going to be really bad. It's not going to be pretty. And uh, I don't know, you know, Paul said this. He said, in, in, in respect to some of this, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So certainly he understood the aspect and the understanding of that, hey man, when I get to heaven, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. When I get to see Jesus face to face, it's going to be awesome. But right now, okay, Right now, for me to live is to be like Jesus. For me to live is that I've got to be Christ. I've got to be Christ here and now. Okay, And yeah, one day when I live out my life the way that God wants me to live out my life and I, and I am in relationship with Him and I follow Him and I'm a disciple of Him, one day, yes, I'm going to get to that place and I'm going to get to heaven But right now, me and my life and the way that I live is about being Jesus. So Jesus tells us to pray. Um, He tells us to pray that heaven would come here to earth. You know, one of the things about Jesus that I want to make sure that we understand this Jesus is the most normal Christian that has ever lived. Okay? Jesus is the most normal Christian that has ever lived. Okay? So, normal Christianity looks like Jesus. And if we don't look like Jesus, we're not the normal Christian. Okay? The normal Christian looks like Jesus. 
He is the most normal Christian that has ever lived. You know, sometimes we can have this mind, the, the world can define what a normal Christian is supposed to look like. That we're supposed to conform and fit in and look the part and, and do all these religious duties and stuff like that. But the, the reality is, is that the most normal Christian that's ever lived is Jesus. And if we want to be a normal Christian, then we want to be like Jesus in everything that we do. And Jesus, not only does he tell us to pray, but that he models, he models for us how we're to go about seeing the kingdom of God come to this earth. The kingdom of God come to this earth. You know, when John, was, when John the, the Baptist was, you know, came before Jesus, he, he was preparing the way for Jesus. The Bible says he was preparing the way for Jesus. And he made this statement on, on multiple occasions. He told the people to repent for the... Kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There it is. That kingdom word again. The king's domain. Okay? God's domain is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he's telling the people to prepare their hearts, to prepare their lives, because the kingdom of God is coming to this earth. And that's what Jesus came to do. All right, he's referring to the, John was referring to the Messiah. And so the kingdom of God is at hand because Jesus. And then Jesus commands us to pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done here on earth. So we have this, that John tells them the kingdom of God is here. It's coming. And then when Jesus gets here and he starts doing all these things in front of the disciples and they see this great authority that he lives with and this power that he has, that he begins to tell his disciples, like, look, when you pray, you need to pray. And this is like one of the first things that he tells tells them to do like pray listen that the king, my kingdom come or your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven that god's domain would come here to this earth in luke chapter 11 verse 14 if you should already be in luke 11 in verse 14 there's a story that we see that that Jesus uses to teach because he's already told them now to pray for the kingdom of God and now he's doing something and he, he uses this. And in verse 14 it says, And he was casting out a demon and it was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. And he knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I, and if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges." But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he, uh, than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. Okay, What Jesus is doing here in this particular passage where he, 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 he cast out this demon and this mute guy begins to speak and he's dealing with these Pharisees, is he's actually teaching them what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes to this earth. Okay? So John said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said, pray that the kingdom of God would be done here on earth, that his kingdom come, that his will would be done here on earth. And then he goes on to tell them, this is what it looks like 
when the kingdom comes. Okay? This is what it looks like. This is what, and so we, we look at Jesus, okay? We, we see these kinds of things. This is what happens here in this particular thing is that the kingdom of God, okay, in this story that Jesus is telling us, okay, what he's showing them is the conflict between the powers of darkness and the kingdom of God and how when they meet together, what happens, and you see it right there, right there uh, in this particular verse. He says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, okay, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There it is. The kingdom of God, the king's domain has come here. Okay. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone, look, a strong man, okay, the spiritual forces of darkness... But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, that's the kingdom of God. Because we know that the kingdom of God is stronger than the spiritual forces of darkness, right? I mean, we kind of covered this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the position of the believer in November. Okay, That your position in Christ is that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Okay, Your position in Christ that you have... Because of your relationship with Christ, your position is that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, where is Christ seated? If you're seated with Christ, where is he seated? At the right hand of the Father, far above all ruler, power, authority, and dominion of spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. So if you're seated with him and he's above it all, okay, then you're right there too. Okay? You're right there above it all too. The kingdom of God is more powerful than the kingdom of darkness. And when the kingdom of God comes to this earth, it meets the strong man, but the strong man is not stronger than the kingdom of God. And so that's exactly what Jesus is saying right here. When someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from all his, all his armor in which he had relied and distributes his plunder. And so he's showing the kingdom of God having a conflict with the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God always wins. God's kingdom always wins. When God's kingdom, when his will comes here on this earth, God always wins. He always wins. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of darkness. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of darkness, all right? If he came to this earth for that purpose, to destroy the works of darkness, then what do you think our purpose should be? To destroy the works of darkness, okay? And the way that happens, okay, is through the king's domain coming to this earth. Okay? That we're not supposed to be a bunch of people walking around afraid that the devil's going to jump outside of a bush and attack us and overpower us. If anything, the Bible tells us the exact opposite. That we have the kingdom of God within us. That heaven is within us. God's domain is within us. Because Christ is in us. Alright? And that we are in Christ and we live in Him and we can walk in the same authority and power that Jesus walked in. Not that we have to, not that we're, we're trying to say that we are Jesus. I'm not trying to say that. But in humility, understanding that it's not us anyways, it's Him. It's all Him. But He chooses to use us as His people to bring the kingdom of God here to this earth. 
And if we sit back and do nothing, then all we do is we allow the kingdom of darkness to have its place and to gain victory over our community, our family, our lives, whatever it is. You know, the devil can have nothing of you except for that which you let him have. If you let him have it, he can have it. Because it's you. And so what we do is we look at Jesus and, and, and it inspires us, right? We look at Jesus, Jesus healing this mute man and talking about the kingdom of God and inspires us and we're like, wow, look at what Jesus does. Man, that's awesome. Awesome, right? John, John 5, 19, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. What does that mean? What does that mean? The Son can do nothing of himself. That's Jesus telling the people, and do, I can't do anything by myself. Now that's kind of weird, right? Because Jesus is God. Couldn't he do anything that he wanted to do, right? I mean, being God, couldn't he, you know, couldn't he do anything that he wanted to do? But yet he makes this statement, I can do nothing of myself, only that which I see the Father in heaven doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. And there's actually several times in the Bible where Jesus actually makes this statement. It's kind of, kind of a little strange. Well, here's the thing about, about this scripture. While Jesus was fully God, and we know that he, he was, he chose to put that aside to live a life, to live a life like us, to be led by the Father. He chose to put aside his position and power that he would have because of his place and authority to live just like we would have to live under the leadership and guidance of the Father. And that's the reason why he says, I cannot do anything on my own except for that which I see the Father do. In other words, he's saying, I'm choosing to live my life the exact same way that you have to live your life because you don't have the power on your own to do it. You don't have the power and ability in your own strength, in your own mind, to do whatever it is you want to do when it comes to the kingdom of God and spiritual things. The way that you have to do it is you have to be led by the Father. So what he chose to do was to live his life the exact same way to live our life, and that is to be led by the Father. That I'm not doing anything under my own initiative, but I'm submitting myself and subjecting myself to the Father and His leadership just to prove to you that as a man, it can be done. Because if you look at it like Jesus is doing it as God, then it's like, look what God can do. And we're like, wow, God can do some great things. And he can. But if you look at it as Jesus doing it as a man being led by the Father, you can say, look at what God can do through us. Right? Look at what God can do through us. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Matthew 16, 19 Jesus said this, he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. 
I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have the keys. You are. Okay? You are going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose here on earth will be loose in heaven. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom so the kingdom can come now. You see, the, the works of darkness will not be able to hold back the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. And so, we talk about God's kingdom, God's kingdom coming here to this earth. I want to ask you a question. What is God's kingdom? What is his kingdom? What does his kingdom look like? You know, yeah, we know and we hear that Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's kingdom? Okay. In Romans fourteen seventeen, it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul says this. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does Paul mean, not eating and drinking? I mean, you know, certainly we can eat and drink. (laughs) That's kind of an important life function to be able to survive, all right? Uh, Really, what's going on here is that there's kind of an issue in the church, if you know some of the that um, you got to kind of know the context in which Paul is writing this particular verse to understand the real message behind what he's saying here. And the context of what's going on, if Paul is addressing an issue, basically he's, an, he's a, addressing an argument that's happening in the church. Okay? And there's this argument that's going on amongst the believers about eating meat that is sacrificed to idols. And you have this group of Christians over here that believe it's okay to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. And you got this group of Christians over here who believe it's wrong to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. And they're having this, this, this big debate over which one is right. Okay? Now, what this is, okay, is that this is doctrine or theology or this is um, statement of faith, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Um, I don't know. We have some of the same issues in our culture today. You know, um, it's uh, eternal security. It's, uh, um, you know, uh, smoking, drinking, you know, rated R movies, secular music, uh, whatever. There's all kinds of uh, different thoughts where, as believers, we have differences of opinion, right? We just do. And so... You have these two groups of people that are arguing and it's creating this disunity in the church. One group thinks it's okay and Paul is saying, look, it really doesn't matter. Okay, you want to believe this, it's okay for you to believe this. You want to believe this, it's okay for you to believe this. Um, really, honestly, he sided with the people that didn't believe, that, that believed it was okay to eat the meat. He said, it doesn't really matter, it's just food. But for the sake of these people over here, okay, it's okay to have that conviction. Okay? And, um, but what he ends up boiling down to, and he says, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, though. In other words, the kingdom of God is not about our doctrinal differences. The kingdom of God is not about us trying to all fit in and be exactly the same with our doctrinal beliefs and convictions. I mean, yes, are there certain established, you know, absolutes? Absolutely. Okay, we know that. There are some certain established absolutes. I'm talking about the gray area. So hopefully, hopefully you're not 
not catching something I'm not throwing down, right? There are absolutes. There are, some, there are a lot of really, really strong absolutes all throughout the Bible, okay? I'm talking about the gray areas of life. And, and Paul's saying, hey, the kingdom of God is not about that, okay? That's what the kingdom of God is not about, okay? The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what are those? What are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? We're talking about the kingdom of God coming here to this earth. What does that look like, all right? Uh, Righteousness is a word that stands for right standing with the Father. The kingdom of God is is about being in a place of right standing with the Father, okay? And it comes by grace through faith. Philippians 3.8 says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Okay, righteousness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. It's about us having the righteousness of God in our life. It's about us being in a, in a place of right standing with God. Because it's just as easy for us in, in our lives sometimes to get caught up doing things we shouldn't do, thinking things that we shouldn't think, going places we shouldn't go, okay? And what that does is that gets us out of that place. It gets us out of that place because we become disobedient to God's word and God's leading in our life. And all of a sudden, then we're not in that right standing anymore because now we're in a standing of our own doing our own thing and then we get to this place where it's like if I do more good than I do bad, then I'm in righteousness. Well, that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness is being in a right place, a right standing with God. Being in that place where you are, you are, um, you, you're living right. You're, you don't have uh, uh, things, you know, hidden, uh, hidden secrets or secret sins sitting in your life that you're covering up from everybody else, and and you're living with these secrets and stuff. Okay, that that's not righteousness. Righteousness is is getting all that out there and being open and honest and confessing and living that life of confession and repentance that keeps us in that place of righteousness. From a personal level, that's the kingdom of God in our life. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. Righteousness is important. The righteousness of God is important. Okay? It's important to you. It's important to me. It's important to our community. Okay? And the lost people out here in our community. Rob, if you'll come. The second thing, righteousness and peace. Peace is... Um, it's freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. That's what peace is. It's um, disquieting, uh, uh, the freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Um, you know, peace has a lot to do with what's going on on the inside of you. Uh, not so much on the outside, but on the inside. Where you're at on the inside. What's going on in your life on the inside. You know, there can be all kinds of things that we battle with on the inside. Um, Insecurities, fear, anxiety, oppression, uh, depression, forgiveness uh, or unforgiveness, uh, bitterness, jealousies, envies. All of those are things that happen on the inside of us um, that fight against the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And... Paul is saying that the kingdom of God is about peace. God wants you to have peace. 
One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. One of the products of living uh, obedient to, uh, to obedience to the Word of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life is peace. Peace. Righteousness and peace. God, I want you to live with peace. I don't know, you may, may be here today dealing with some internal turmoil and issues. Uh, depression, aggravation, frustration. Listen, God, God wants to speak peace. Listen, God wants the, his kingdom to come upon your life and to calm some of those storms in your life. That's the reason why Jesus said, my kingdom come. His kingdom, his domain. Listen, if you'll just open up your heart and open up your life and allow his domain to come in, okay, it'll calm, listen, it'll calm that stuff down. And even in the midst of a raging storm all the way around you, you can still live with peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Being in right standing with God, it's peace. It's peace that surpasses all understanding. And the last thing is, it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is kind of uh, intense and especially ecstatic happiness. That's what joy is. Intense and ecstatic happiness. <laughs> Look, there's some of you in here, you don't even know how to be ecstatic. Maybe it's a personality thing or something. Intense, intense, ecstatic happiness. You know, Proverbs 17, 22 says this. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. You know, there are a lot of things in life that can rob us of our joy. But I'll tell you one thing that does a really darn good job of it is sickness. You know, just getting sick all the time. It's just, it can just sack, it, just, it can just dry up all the joy that you have in your life. Because you're just battling stuff, you're just fighting stuff. Maybe it's serious stuff, maybe it's not serious stuff. But, man, sickness just has a way of just robbing us of our joy. You know what I'm saying? I mean... Like, who has joy when they got the flu, you know? Somebody's got joy. You feel like crawling in bed and staying there forever, you know? No, no, it just, it's one of those things, man. It just, it has a way of robbing us of our joy. You know, one of the things that when you look throughout the scripture and, and you look at Jesus and what he did in the lives of people, I think one of the cool things that you see is uh, anytime that Jesus was dealing with somebody and he, somebody that was sick or ill, he would go and the Bible said that he would either lay hands on them or he would tell them to do something. He would give them some command and they would get healed. And what would happen after every time they got healed? I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, what would happen if you were really ill and you got healed, right? You would start rejoicing, right? Joy 
in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about joy in the Holy Spirit. When people get healed, there's rejoicing. There's great joy in the Holy Spirit. Is there not? There's a lot of other things to be joyful about. But I think it's interesting that some of the most, most intense moments of joy that we find uh, in, in the Scripture where the kingdom of God is making an impact here on this earth is when people are being delivered and being healed. Luke 10, 8, it says, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are sick and then say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick that are set before you and say to them, The kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom, the king's domain has come to you today. God's kingdom has come here on this earth. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That word salvation comes from the Greek word soteria, which means deliverance, preservation, soundness, freedom, and healing. Okay? So it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the deliverance of everyone who believes. It is the power of God for the preservation of everyone who believes, for the soundness of everyone who believes, for the freedom of everyone who believes, for the healing of everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God to bring the kingdom of God here to this earth. Well, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? While you were sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still lost in your sin. Christ died for you. That's the power of God to bring the kingdom of God here to this earth. And I believe, listen to me, this year I want to see God's kingdom reign more in your lives, in your families, in your children, in this church, in our community than we ever have before. Amen? And it's going to be something that we talk about over the next couple of weeks where we can actually put some, some practical steps in place in our lives to begin to see the kingdom of God begin to rule and reign in our hearts, in our lives, and in the way we live. Would you stand to your feet today?